What's up, everybody? Welcome into the fanciest-looking Celtics Talk podcast in ages. Yes, I'm not in my basement. They have let me out. I am here in studio with Trenny. First time on the Celtics Talk podcast. I can't believe, like, what what have I done to you that this is the first time I've ever been invited on? It's so bad because I sat there, and I I do this every week. I say, oh, man, who who, who on the staff haven't I had on the show yet? And it's just you're always busy. You have a show to host. Like, you have a big, you do your thing. Yeah, that's that's the excuse. It's because because Celtics fans are like, she hates the Celtics. (laughs) I do not hate the Celtics. So I did say I was going to bring you on and pin you in a quarter about hating the Celtics. So uh, Milwaukee uh, fan Trenny here. I, okay, I am not. A, okay, I'm just going to tell the story, and this is how we're going to start this podcast. And I told it to Max Letterman today. I did not grow up a massive Bucks fan. Like, I liked the Bucks because they were local. But a few years ago, oh my God, it was a long time ago now. It was probably 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think they played, like, Atlanta in the okay. like early part of the postseason. It was, like, the first time they were good from the big three, like, okay. in the yeah. early 2000s. Someone's calling me. I don't see. I'm always, it's Jeff Capitosti. No, producer doesn't know I'm doing something. Uh, so, I, you know, then I, like, I remember saying at the time, I'm jumping on the Bucks bandwagon mm-hmm. because they're good and I can, like, afford good tickets to go watch the postseason. And then I moved out here, and I've been covering the Celtics now for however long. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, Ooh, that was when, when the Celtics – no, I mean, I, start, I started becoming – I moved here in 2012, and I just started sort of adopting the Celtics. Like, Brad Stevens came along at the same time. Being a big East Marquette person, yeah, Midwest yeah. person, I right away gravitated towards Brad Stevens. I just loved, like, this I – lo- I, I, I just sort of loved the franchise. There was something about, the, like, the history of it. But in 2019, this is when I knew I was a Celtics fan. The Celtics were playing Ooh. the Bucks. They, yeah. of course, like won one. I think they won Game One won in game Milwaukee. One. They dominated like, Game One after crushed them, and Indiana, I was like, and then we all said, "Here they go." Kyrie was, I was right. Like, yep, they I was the like, switch. They flipping the switch. Here we go, and then. Game four at the Garden. I'm sitting in the NBC Sports Boston suite, Ooh. and they are just getting pummeled by Milwaukee. Like, they, you know, it was like it was kind of back and forth. Like maybe they had a chance in the fourth quarter, but you knew they weren't going to get it done. I felt sick to my stomach. No. I was so mad that the Celtics weren't going to beat the Bucks, and I knew they weren't going to go to Milwaukee and do it. And I knew right then and there, I was mm. so angry and emotionally invested. I was a Celtics fan. Yeah, you, you picked the wrong year to, to fully go emotional investment. That team was dreadful. I, but I had gone full emotional adjust, like investment prior to that, but I was excited, and they were playing my hometown team, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I've been saying for so long how much I love living in Boston, how great it is here, and now I literally I felt like, like you know, you get that feeling in your yeah. gut? Like, that's how I felt when they were losing. And so now, if I love you, I hold you to a high standard. <laughs> You, you certainly do, and we're going to talk about that. Do you consider yourself a Bostonian now? Are you like Brad Stevens? He comes out, he's like, you know, going to find the dunks and all that. Uh, I mean, I'm still not like, sorry, I'm still like a massive dunks person. Like, I'll drink it, but I'm still probably more Starbucks. I just find, you know, more more Starbucks around the country. Uh, m- mostly, I just like making coffee at home with my mm. fiance. Well. Um, but yeah, I do kind of consider myself. Like, I always say that I'm sort of straddling like two worlds, yeah, right? Like, there's a part of me that is very much like Boston, like I love Wordle and maps and running by the Charles. Wordle going is like to like a regional thing here? Well, I mean, you know, like <laughs> smart people. Okay, like okay, really smart it. people live in Boston, yeah. right? Like I, I think of this as like a very educated, cultured mm-hmm. town. I really yeah. like to travel all over the world. But there's also a part of me that still likes to go to Wisconsin and like drink a spotted cow, eat fried cheese 100%. curds and Right, and you and not drive a car, but take our ATV, our all-terrain vehicle, to like the grocery store. 
So there are very, there are two very different and go on like pontoon ties. Yeah. But I also really like to go to Nantucket. So there, so I'm very torn in a lot of different this, ways in a lot of different regions. This podcast has already <laughs> gone off the rails, but I'm all for it. And because I, I every time I go through the uh, Milwaukee airport, I want to grab some of that uh, spotted cow. Do you go through the recombobulation zone? Uh, is that you've well, noticed that, right? Yeah, of course. But that's that's a lot of airports now. Wait, they have that in other oh, yeah, airports? Sure. They copy that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they like definitely put up the sign, but a lot of them have the recombobulation. Well, they have the area, but they don't call no, it the recombobulation. No, there's, not, there's some signage. Okay, anyway, basketball. Uh, either way, here we go. Anyway, uh, basketball. Speaking of recombobulation areas, the Boston Celtics, uh, who were pretty bad for the first two and a half months of the season, oh, you have hate started them? getting themselves together. So you said you threw yourself all in on the 2019 group. How are you feeling about the 2022 crew? I am dipping my toe back Ooh. into the investment water. Like last night, well, I shouldn't say last night because this is a podcast. No, that's oh, fine. Oh, is it this okay. comes out today, baby. Oh, it comes out today. Yeah. Great. Well, so last night when they were playing the Atlanta Hawks in the first half, I texted John Tomasi, mm -hmm. who I believe has been on this show before, because earlier on early edition, he said, I believe in this defense, everything about this defense. And I text him at halftime. I go, nice, nice defense you got there. <laughs> but then they only allowed, what, 33 points, points. Sec in the second half and 13 points in the third quarter. Like, I found it amazing that everything that anyone was, like, conversing about, whether it was online or the halftime shows, Jason Tatum has to stop putting up yep. three-pointers just because that's the way he feels he has to play the game. He has to drive the basket. He has to draw fouls. They have to play defense to get better on offense. They did all of those things in the second half, and that was impressive to me, right? Because I feel like this is a team and why they've been frustrating is sometimes they fall into these bad habits and they oh, don't yeah. snap out of it. But that has been changing as of late. Like, mm -hmm. I will be rooting for them to go forward in the postseason wow. so but uh, mostly because there's not an I in team but there is uh, a me in media that's good for us Chris it is <laughs> selfishly I tell people all the time they say do you root for the team I said well I was born here I, I have some attachment to the team I'm attached to Robert Williams but you know it's good for business too so that yes. always helps it has been a lot more entertaining to watch I think the part of what was so off-putting about this team at the start of the year was that they were so bad and they would fall into those bad habits, isolation ball and hero ball. Yeah, and and, and look, lapses it, on defense, logging down the flight. Like, they to still me, do it. What's great about this team and what's always been good about this team, and I don't know if it's just because Jalen Tatum and Jalen Brown were younger or it was a Brad Stevens identity, but what I think I liked about them is they always played hard and with an intensity mm -hmm. that you don't typically see from star teams in the True. NBA. And I understand that now they're becoming a star team, but they're not quite there yet where no, they can take plays the off. And so it's frustrating to me that they take plays off because they think they're there yet. Like, you're not there yet. Yeah. So, and, like, look, we were just See, talking on Celtics post-up today. They said 24. Jason Tatum just about to turn 24. Like, I mean, he's a pup. I know, but so is Luka Doncic. Like, he just but turned Luka 20. But still makes some, some bonus He just, plays. you know, he just turned 23. So there's a lot of good young stars. And I understand, like, I think somebody said, too, like, LeBron James didn't win his first title until he was, like, 25 I mean, or 26. Yeah. So it's, I'm not, no one's expecting it to happen overnight. For me, I guess I'm just an effort person. But it can. It can happen overnight if you sure. want to. Like, it, 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 it would be okay. It's like, we don't have to wait. And that's part, part of my thing with Jason Tatum is, and that's why this week is so interesting to me, Trey Young. The, the other night. Now we got John Morant coming tomorrow, Katie and Kyrie on the weekend. Like, here's a chance to show where you stand amongst elite players, or in, in this particular, the start of the week, we, we elite young players. Where's Tatum sit for you? Like, in terms of, uh, I'm not, you don't have to rank him like one to 10, but I'm just saying, like, is he in that 1A of young per players, or is oh, there? Absolutely. Wouldn't you put him, if you were ranking, let's just take John Morant, Jason Tatum, Trey Young, yeah. wouldn't you go Morant, Tatum, Young? 
I might still have Tatum ahead of Ja. I love Ja, and I think like we're, but there's a very much a, a recency bias with like he's yes. phenomenal. To well, watch and also I that. feel like he's carrying, the, it, it, you course. know. And I know Collins has been out a lot, but he mm -hmm. has still managed to carry the Grizzlies in his absence. And I feel like sometimes. Jason Tatum doesn't, like, if there isn't Marcus Smart out there, Robert Williams is hurt. Like, they haven't had their full complement, and sometimes you right. can really count on Jason Tatum to get you that 35-point performance, but there are also times where he falls into slump that he has a hard time getting out of it. I guess that's the only reason, and it is recency bias, right? Yeah. That he, he's also two years older. Of course. Um, and John Morant's doing this, you know, at two years sooner right. than he did it. And, and again, like, not take away, like, Ja has been unbelievable, like, must-watch basketball. Um, yeah, he broke my life. heart, my college heart, so. Oh, really? Marquette, yeah. remember? Sorry. Crushed, crushed us in the NCAA. You want to relive it? Or? No, I don't. Okay, well, we'll just mm -hmm. move right along then. Uh, so the Celtics, the big topic of conversation, obviously, Jalen Brown goes down. But what did you, did your heart, like, stop like it did mine? Because it felt like they just got healthy. And I know it's been a little bit of a stretch here, but it's like, oh. Here we go. They just started the surge. We're starting to maybe figure out what this team is, and now Jalen goes down. It looked really bad. Now they've they've said, you know, Ime comes out today and says he won't play tomorrow against uh, the Grizzlies, but it won't be a long-term injury. I, but they just have so little wiggle room for injury, right? Because there's so there's seven guys they lean on, and one of them is now out. So, how you feeling with when you watch Jalen Brown go down? Oh, uh, when he went down. I mean, also just like. The noise, yeah. the groaning, the picture, the, and the pictures, the and the turn, like it makes your stomach turn, yeah. right? But then you see him get you see him get up and walk off the court and, and you think, okay, you're probably not, if especially if it's an ankle, because I think at one point it looked like it might have been a knee, but then he actually grabbed his ankle. If you're walking off on an ankle, you have to sort of assume it's not sure. the worst. But I do worry about the fact that this team can't get into a groove. Mm -hmm. And because they are still relatively young, like how much do you have to play together and gain that confidence, but also gain a rhythm with each other so that rhythm is there in the postseason like yeah, that's that's why that's why it crushes me that he goes down because I feel like they were finally sort of but I guess the positive of it is maybe now you know if you're Jason Tatum maybe you learn that lesson you haven't mm -hmm. learned yet similar to last night where you can't always just chuck up a three or a long two and try to get the team back in it that you have to rely on the pieces around you when the other when you're you're bat, you're robin to your batman yeah there. and i and i think this is a huge thing where i don't think tatum has always had the confidence to say like grant williams as good as grant has been you're going to knock down this three in a big spot peyton pritchard like any of these dudes and last night felt like the first time even al horford who has been a really streaky shooter this year he hit Al on like a fourth quarter pass and Al knocked down the three and Tatum was like, yeah. Like, yes, he like screamed, screamed, like audibly screamed. Because it, it's been so rare that his teammates have helped him out. Like Tatum has been great as a passer this year and especially these last couple of weeks, it's nice that he's being rewarded for that effort because sometimes like if I'm the superstar of the team, as much as, you know, it's all falls back on you, right? Like we go on the postgame show, we hammer Jason Tatum for yeah. not carrying them and now he's doing that but he hasn't always gotten that effort from everybody else. So Dare yeah, I, I put on my green glasses and say, Ooh. maybe it's a blessing in disguise? Uh, no, we can't do that. No, we know, what the, we know what's gonna happen here. Uh, the early edition take by Friday is going to be, they'll beat the, the, <laughs> the Grizzlies tomorrow. We'll be like, do the Celtics need to trade Jalen Brown? And <laughs> Tom Curran will come storming hey, listen, into the we gotta fill an hour every single night, not just in game nights, okay? So sometimes we gotta be a little crazy. You, you know I, I like to lean into some things. I actually leaned into that whole, they have the best starting five in the NBA and uh, immediately cursed them to, uh, to be injured. So. And in fairness, 
you have come on Arbella early edition at times, and then like, I'm not buying into this team yet. They got to show me more. So don't. It, 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 took, it, it definitely <laughs> took me time. Because can't point fingers. I, I'm still very reluctant because there's the one stat, the late game stat, and now like a game like last night doesn't trigger the clutch criteria, no. right? So, but was it a great gutsy win? Yes, probably the gutsiest win of the year in terms of like having to withstand the 17-point deficit, come back, and just like be as good defensively as they were. So they deserve even more credit for that game, even though the stats won't give them credit for it. But you do wonder what if that game would have been a 17-point swing but then stayed close the entire right. time and 100%. they needed to close it out. Like we're, that's where they haven't shown us we're that they can do Like it. we're still waiting for that. I will say like the ringer had an – uh, yeah, there was the ringer this week that did the, the very analytical look at it. And their whole thing was – that there's no correlation between in-season crunch time numbers and postseason crunch time numbers. And I hadn't really ever stopped to think about it. I just assumed that teams that were bad in the crunch in the regular season would just carry that over. There have been outliers, but one of them was the bubble. The, and that, the bubble was just weird in general. Yeah. So I think, you know, part, part of what, what I, when I the, for the eye test, like you can tell looking at a team whether they are a contender, which I think that the Celtics check a lot of the boxes. But the, the, the fact that they've struggled so much late in games gives me pause. So I'll, I'll put that on you. What is the biggest reason for concern with this team? I, inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, again, even, even last night, I know maybe the reason they struggled in the first half against Atlanta was that it was jarring for them to see. When, you're, when, when your second best player goes down three minutes into the game, I think that's going like, to be a shock to the system. So I don't, I don't want to put too much stock into the first half because they turned it around in the second half. But how many times have we seen them get in big holes? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they climb out of it, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they play defense like they did last night in the second half. And sometimes sometimes they play defense like they did against the Detroit before, or the, the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. Right, where there's just not – where it's like, do they have that killer mentality? Mm-hmm. And do they have – is Jason Tatum – and I think he has the skills to do it – but can he feel confident to either take the shot when he should absolutely take it in those clutch moments and set him up to be in a good position to take it? And if it's not there, trust the people around him to make the same shot. Yeah, and like I said, because sometimes you have to, sometimes it's not LeBron, right? Sometimes 100%. it's Kyrie. You know, and, and that's the one thing that I think they've stressed to Jason this year is, hey, when those double teams come, you got to move the ball. And he's been way better at it the last few weeks than he was at any other point of his career. And I think it's showing in the way that they play. Let's flip it. What's the biggest cause for optimism about this team? It has to be their defense, yeah, right? right? I mean, it's, Because if you can – I think that a lot of teams in the NBA, quite frankly, aren't very good on defense. Mm-hmm. And they don't care that much about playing defense. So if that's your calling card – I mean, I hate to say, like, defense wins championships because at the end of the day, I feel like that is not – something that works in any sport anymore. Um, Hi, Patriots. But if you can have, like, let's just say for argument's sake Mm -hmm. that Jason Tatum shoots the way that he should and Grant Williams does and Jalen Brown does Mm -hmm. and you get good production from Derek White off of the bench um, and Marcus Smart plays good defense, like if you have – shooters that can shoot and you have enough of them and you have good defense, those are the kind of teams that win championships. My thing is, do they have enough consistent shooting after Jason and Jalen mm. to get it done? Uh, and even Jason and Jalen haven't been particularly consistent, right. which is the problem. Like, right. like Jason struggled from beyond the arc yeah. recently again, and he's gone through streaks this season. Really so I don't, you know, do they have somebody who you know, man, like, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say, like, obviously no one's ever going to be Jordan again, not even LeBron, but like – 
you have that person who, when the whole crowd is going nuts behind yeah. the basket, you step back and you nail that shot like in the Kevin biggest Durant. moment. I mean, even even Giannis. Like, I mean, they're, the, yeah. the whole East is full of guys who, like, superstar players that, and a lot of them have now been in that moment. Showing my age, by the way, going right to Jordan. I mean, like, I did the same thing. <laughs> we, we, we on Celtics Post up. We were showing uh, uh, JT walked into All Star Weekend with a gigantic fur coat and a Michael Jordan on his shirt. So uh, yeah. that's my, my. I grew up with that too. Yeah. So like, that's what I default to when I'm looking for elite talent. All right. We got to use your your institutional knowledge of the Bucks. Um, who should the Celtics? Are they are they the clear cut the one team you don't want to see the Celtics match up with? Uh, I mean, not the one team. I mean, I I mean, I hate to say this, but the one team. I mean, do you really want to see Brooklyn? Do you really want? Uh, if no. everybody is out there the way that they should be, like I don't care where I'm from, mm -hmm. and I don't care how much Kyrie drives me nuts. <laughs> Kyrie, such if Kevin Durant is healthy and can play, and if Ben Simmons is interested in playing defense and plays to his potential, and then you have Kyrie, like just even just Durant and Kyrie, like that one-two punch, Durant can carry a team almost on his own. He doesn't need anybody else. He doesn't need anybody else. And then you add Kyrie, who lots of people, I'm not the first person to say this, I probably just read it somewhere, but Kyrie is a better two than a one. 100%. So if you, like to me, and I also, I mean, at least early on, the Sixers have looked better than I thought they yeah, would. Yeah. So here's the thing. So I'll, I'll like, I don't like any of those top teams. Like I don't, I don't look at the Cavaliers and like shaking no, my, no shaking my ankle boots. You know, I don't look, even at the Bulls, like to me, the Bulls are, Maybe a little fraudulent. You could have been with the with the outfit today. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I'm not just. It just was what was in my rent the runway. Saying, Come on, Chris. She was really she, hammering she, me today she, about my allegiances. She was prepared for the for an Atlanta win, evidently. But uh, no, I'm, I'm with you because it's a simple answer. But I mean, the Cavs haven't been there. They're very young. They don't have offensive weapons. That's the one you want to see. Chicago after that because they don't play a lot of defense. They have exploitable matchups. But yeah, so here's where I stand on the the sort of the the ones at the top. I kind of want Philadelphia. I know it sounds crazy because they're going to get a million fouls. It's going to be maddening to watch. Now with Harden, they're just on a different level. But I feel like Al Horford, like you dip him in the fountain of youth and you're like, here we go. This is the team that kicked you aside and he would be beyond fired up. And the Celtics have had their number a little bit. I was saying, and if I'm consistent, Philadelphia has not proven with Joel Embiid as their star player that they can win when it matters sure. most. Like it's one thing to be really good every once in a while. It's another to do it over a seven game series in the NBA playoffs, which Joel Embiid has not proven. Now, I don't know how much that changes with James Harden, but James Harden is, I'm not misremembering this. He's never won a title. He's never. And he also, I think sometimes is like, Sometimes interested, sometimes not interested. Yeah. What worries me about Philadelphia is that this is the time that James Harden would be, and you have a, a battle-tested coach in Doc Rivers. Oh, there's, so I wonder there's if the he Marquette can get through again. Well, but I do think like you have someone who's you know won a national title and won a uh, an NBA title as a as He's a also blown more three-one leads. No offense, Doc, I love you, but yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but I do wonder like can he get something out of his players that they weren't able For to sure. get out of them before in Philadelphia? But again, if I'm going to be consistent. I mean, I wasn't even all in on the Celtic or the, the Bucks last year. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't believe that they could win until they won because they were always like, like, Giannis seemed too nice. Like, how do you win with, like, the nicest superstar in sports? Well, you have Chris. Turns Wilson. out you can. Yeah. I mean, you get, you get some complimentary pieces that fit really well, and, and it all works. That's why the Bucks scare me. They've been there. They've done it. And, yeah. you know, I just feel like for years they pushed so hard to be the number one seed in the East. And then now they've learned. Just throttle down a little bit, go up when it matters, and just have, let Giannis be the best player in the world. 
and then it worked. Well, and you asked me what worries me about the Celtics. That worries me about the Celtics, mm -hmm. that they're not going to be able to throttle right. back because they have such a tough march. And they've put, them, they put themselves in such a hole early that they're right on that line between being automatically in and being a plane and you don't want to be a plane you want to be six or up and so then their short bench right they basically have an eight player team so do, even if you're young do you tire your guys out like, like do you have to pick your spots do you have to take some losses where maybe you could move up in those standings a little bit to four or five and say we might just have to take this one on the chin because it's better for us to rest Al Horford. It's better for us to not play Jason Tatum 42 mm -hmm. minutes just to win this game. And, and that's part of I, I wrote it on the Celtics mailbag this week. I'm worried about Tatum's minutes because he played at the Olympics two out of the last three and a half yeah. years oh, yeah. now. And he's been, you know, playing a ton of minutes for this team. You watch JB go down and now you're thinking, well, they got to play. All-star game and it's the all-star game, but it's still, it's still, it's still time on your body. There's just no downshift besides COVID, which like completely hindered him the past two years. And so... Uh, I am worried that what does he have left at the finish line? What do all these guys have left when Ime is running with uh, is such a tight rotation? But I guess, like, he's just made the decision. We're going to win with these seven or eight guys, and we're going to lose with these seven or eight guys. Has he made the decision, or has he been forced to make the decision? No, I think he legitimately, like, I think. Because I don't know that they have a whole lot of other options. Like, <laughs> no, I yeah, that, no, that's we comfortably too. have, did he say, like, last night or this morning or something, we comfortably have ten players. I was like, do you comfortably <laughs> have ten players to go to? I think I could find ten players to play. Ime Adoka could not find ten players that he trust to throw out there, which is just funny that Aaron Neesmith couldn't get off the bench, and now he's probably going to start uh, a couple of games at least while we wait for Jalen Brown uh, to come back. But, uh, maybe uh, he learns how to shoot. I mean, I am bullish on Neesmith, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh, Let's end on. Maybe I'll be invited back. I'll read it. Yeah, I'm telling you. Like, we'll, 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 see, we'll see what, what, what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens here. People, if people say how much they hate me in the comments or not. <laughs> I can't wait. The YouTube page oh, is going to be. Oh, they will. They will. The YouTube, okay. The I'm YouTube page, are, I mean, look, they, they've come to me for me first, and then they'll come, then they'll, they'll come for you. You're, you'll be a nice change of page. You already endeared yourself by telling them how much of a Bostonian you are. Um, Ime, what have we thought about the job he's done this year? You know, I, at first I was like, maybe he's not right for this, mm -hmm. right? Like, maybe he's not ready. He has some missteps. But he, whatever he has done with this team, like when they turned that corner and had that nine-game win streak, my number one question was, well, what changed? Mm -hmm. You know, who said something? Who flipped the switch? Well, why couldn't it? And I, I, I'll be honest, we don't know because um, NBA, could we give us a little more access again now that things are lightening up in the world of COVID? Because it's important to do our job and your fans care about your players. It'd be nice. So I don't know if it was him, if it was Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown having that conversation. Was it Marcus Smart calling them out? Was it someone that we don't even know? But something happened, and I think at the very least, if we were going to blame Brad Stevens last year, for them not coming together and finding a way to win, I think you have to give some credit yeah. to Ime Udoka for finding out how to how to use his guys, how to get the most out of them when sometimes they don't want to play, and when they don't play well, taking I love that he takes these guys to task. I think mm -hmm. they respect him for that, and they, even when he calls them out, I don't know how long that'll last, uh, calling him out publicly, but you know, incomplete at this point. But if I had to give him a grade, I guess Ooh. I mean probably a B. B. B, B minus? No, I think I, I, I might be up at a B plus. Because here's the thing for me, as I kept saying, you know, I was, I was just. Minor skeptical. deductions for the first part, although you were new. So maybe, <laughs> uh, all right, we'll give him a B, B for Boston. I should, I should, have, I should have had our, our pens ready for this. But um, I, because I kept saying, you know, okay, he had some missteps. I thought he played the wrong rotations at times. Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart were not a workable combo. Tossed them out there, ran guys hard in, in different stretches, publicly criticized them. But. You know, then it, it, you could see again. Now we can see it. He like he only trusted eight guys, and he and he was trying to figure it out. 
it's figured it out. And so I, I, I give him complete credit. And the other thing I go back to is Brad Stevens couldn't get these guys to get out of their bad habits over the course of you know seven and a half years or eight years, whatever you want to call it. But specifically with this core, the last two. And then it was unfair to think that Ime was just going to come in and within three months, yeah, completely overhaul this thing. So for him to get it to legitimately get them corners turned after three and a half months is impressive. Still plenty of work to do on all sides. I still think his best days are ahead of him. First year coaches always struggle. Like they're always are bumps in the road. It's not fair. And if we're, again, if we're being fair and honest, like this is, he's only dealing with the roster that Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens gave to him. It's the same with Brad Stevens as the president of basketball operations. Like you sort of had what you could to work with money wise, cap wise, all of that. Like, it's, you can't decide whether or not they're going to be a good head coach or a good president and coach combo until at least to another, at the minimum another year, probably another two years before they've had some time. And I know people don't want to hear that, but you need a little time to get the right people in there and to get the books the way that you want them and your system in and your system accepted. And the biggest thing was he made the right decision to turn Rob into the free safety, change their whole defense. So you may get credit for that. Uh, you've got like NBC 10 to do. You've got your do. own show to host. You you, do. You're a very busy person. So my watch has just been like. Bzz, 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 that's not good. That, I know that feeling. That, that means producers are angry and have topics they want to uh, talk to you about. Okay. So as a Bostonian, go ahead and go get a dive into that. Uh, we're going to leave you this week. We got a chance to catch up with Allison Feaster on Celtics Post Up. Talk about her role within the Celtics organization. We'll leave you with that interview. Go check us out on YouTube. Leave all the pleasant comments for trending down below in the, in the comments. Download us on your favorite podcast app. We'll catch you next time on the Celtics Talk Podcast. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back in to Celtics Post-Up. Let's welcome in Vice President of Player Development and Organizational Growth for the Celtics, Allison Feaster. And Allison, thank you so much for joining us today in that long, important title. For the folks at home that might not know what that is, what does a regular day entail for you? Um, first and foremost, thanks for having me. Great to see you guys. Um, uh, I don't know if I have one uh, regular uniform day. I will say that the bulk of it is spent, um, you know, with my guys, with the team, with the coaching staff, uh, with other front office members, just trying to help this organization be the best it can be um, and, and, and win some games. I think that's the ultimate goal. I, I try to tell people what Allison does, and I'm like, I, I don't, there's not enough time in the day. Mm -hmm. I don't know how she does all these different things. One of the things I've, I've been impressed with, Allison, is how you forge relationship with players. How important is that coming in, and how do you feel like that has blossomed in your time with the Celtics? Right. I think it, it's 
you know, has the utmost importance for me. I think um, the players, I, I know the players at the center of what we do here, they are uh, the ones who out front and center um, who have to weather the highs and the lows of the season, um, you know, above anyone else. And so that was a priority for me from day one. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, it keeps me going. It's like you walk in this building, you're super thankful uh, for this opportunity to work, you know, for the Celtics organization, for this storied organization. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the guys, it's the people um, who, who really make this a, a wonderful experience for me. And you spend a lot of time with the guys both on and off of the court. We've been talking about Grant Williams and Rob Williams so much this season. What can you say about their growth on the court so far? Can't say enough about uh, their growth. Um, Rob, first and foremost, I think he's been with the organization probably four seasons. And, um, you know, I came in on his second second year in the, in the league. And um, he's, he's tremendous. I think what people are enamored with on the court, they'd be even more blown away by the person he is off the court. He's a new father. Um, and so I'm just thrilled to see him, to, to see him blossom and to, to get his just due. Grant Williams, you know, a student of the game, a student of life. And, um, you know, I think we'll all remember how he began his rookie season, I believe, oh, for 20-30-something from three. Yeah. And now he's, you know, one of the top shooters in the league. So I'm super proud of him, super proud of his growth and his commitment to being, a, you know, a better player. Allison, Brad Stevens used to tell us about the responsibility you had in terms of uh, like team outings and just team bonding, especially inside the bubble. But I'm curious, like this year, how much have you been involved with that? And can you give us any glimpse behind the curtain? Have you guys done anything <laughs> super cool? Is there like su super celebrities showing up at the Hourback Center that we don't know about? No, unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, since the bubble, we've had to deal with these uh, health and safety protocols. And I have the um, the great misfortune, I'd say, <laughs> of being the team protocol uh, compliance officer. So I'm the one that gets to, you know, say people tell everyone to put masks on and say what we can't do because of the health and safety protocol. But we found our way to, you know, to, to bond and gel. Um, this has been a transition year for us. But as you can see, the, the work that, you know, the guys are putting in off, you know, off the court and behind the scenes is really starting to pay off. And um, yeah, each each and every person is doing their part. So um, I'm just happy to 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 be the one to to schedule a thing or two here and there. And when you look around the NBA, there aren't a lot of women, especially women of color, in your position in the front office. Just how has the NBA developed over the years that you've been in the league to kind of break that glass ceiling? There's been uh, a tremendous amount of. Um, it's just been super deliberate on you know increasing the candidate pools, super deliberate around being inclusive, around, um, you know, putting those of us who are in the league, you know, front and center and, and showing young women and girls that there are opportunities, there are spaces that, you know, are, can be occupied by, by women and, and, and others. So um, I applaud the NBA for being super focused on increasing those opportunities and, and making us more visible. And of course, I'm going to shout out my own organization because we've um, really made it a focus to become more diverse and, and just create space for different different voices at the table. Allison, I know how much Brad values your input. And we've heard your name already come up in rumors about other opportunities and, and potential front office. As we see more women get those those opportunities around the league, I think of Becky Bonner down in Orlando. How much does that interest right. you? Do you like having your hands in a little bit of everything, or would you like to be on that side of the, uh, of the operations at some point? 
You know, I, I pride myself and I'm super fortunate, um, with, with being here. I want to learn as much as I can. Um, my primary goal is to help this be a winning organization in whatever, um, capacity that is. Um, I certainly am not looking, you know, outwardly. Uh, and I, th- I think we all are super appreciative of the space. Um, you know, who, who knows what the future holds. I, I just, know that um, I want to be in a place where where my, my input is valued and I um, I'm satisfied with, with with where I am now so I love this team I love I love this this challenge that we have of of you know getting that 18th banner and so we'll see what happens and I want to switch gears really quickly. I don't know if a lot of people, they follow Allison on uh, Instagram and social media, but I do. And what I really enjoy is when you guys are out on the road, those game day stories. But I got to ask you, Allison, yeah. who has the best game day heat on their feet? Because I know you have a serious Ooh. shoe game out there. Um, you know, if I can't compare to our guys. I, I mean, you look at Jason, you look at... Um, uh, Jalen and, and the heat they bring day in and day out. Um, and then, you know, we've got some former players, Javante Green and so on and so forth. Um, there's a, a general manager in the G League by the name of Amber Nichols who brings the heat. Um, she posts regularly. So, you know, it, it's it, it, you can't get caught up because you'll, you'll be left behind swiftly. But I, I just have fun with it. It's a way to connect. It's a way to, you know, touch base with those around the league. Speaking of your IG story, when you guys were in Indy over the weekend, they put up that little throwback photo on the wall when you were with the fever. What's it like jumping oh in that? Oh my gosh! You had, you had Brad there in his high school uniform. Like, what's it like looking at those uh, those old school throwbacks? It was hilarious, but I'm glad my throwback was a little bit more recent <laughs> than, than Brad's was. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's it's hilarious and. You know the guys don't always know you know the path you path you've taken, but it's it's fun to to you know reflect on those years. And I just want to get throw you one more at you. You're going to speak at the the Sloan Conference coming up. The analytics. I'm I'm just curious, like as you have yep. immersed yourself, you, you know, you've done it on the player side. Now you're on the, the you know behind the scenes. What's the balance like, and how much? What is can you take? What have you learned about analytics that you can give to your to players that they can digest? Right. There is, uh, you know, a proliferation of, of data, of the applications of data and, and how it can help you be, you know, more successful on and off the court and hiring and, and you know, playing offense, you know, attacking a, a certain, you know, defensive strategy. Um, what I will say is that, um, and it's one, it's something one of our coaches likes to echo um, from time to time is that, you know, we're human beings and, um, you know, data adds color um, and help can help clarify a situation. So super, super useful. Um, but if you cannot communicate that and, and relate to, to, you know, the guys and, and staff on a human basis, then, you know, I don't know what purpose it serves. Yeah, that sounds like a tough job. Forsberg is a numbers guy, and he's the person that breaks it down for me because when I look at those numbers and those advanced analytics, I am on a completely different planet. The, the, the only numbers I trust are ones that tell me that Rob Williams is the best center in the NBA, and I can find those <laughs> any, anywhere I right. look. So I will just run with those and, uh, and, and eat those. I got one more point. I agree with you. Uh, thank you. So uh, okay. if, if the coaches had a little game or the coaches and uh, the front office people get a bet on the floor, do you jump into those games? I know Brad mm. said he, Brad says he does it. He he only does like half court from now on. Could you go out there and whip all these guys? I played uh, one and only time uh, in my three years here with the Celtics, and um, I've been out of commission since. But I can tell you that 
something I like to say to myself when I was a player, three is more than two. And I did <laughs> knock down some three pointers. So that's my analytics a nugget for the day. Look, that's all you need knocking down those three pointers out there. But I can relate once you put that one game out there. It's just I'm packing it up for the rest. I of thought you were saying right. you can relate by knocking down. No, three no, pointers. no, I'm not knocking down. Three. I might knock down a free throw, though. I might knock down a free throw. All right. Thanks so much, Allison, for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Pleasure.